Hi, everyone, and welcome to 1001 Tales of Escape and Suspense. The two Golden Age radio shows, Escape and Suspense, were radio's leading anthology series of high adventure and drama, with Escape airing on CBS Radio from July 7, 1947 to September 25, 1954, and Suspense continued to 1962. These two shows presented great American-made radio drama, which became the foundation for TV. Radio, as you know, is purely acoustic, with no visual component, and it relied on great scriptwriters and actors to enable the listeners to imagine the characters and the story. It was high drama, great acting, and terrific stories. As one of the shows say, all designed for you from the four walls of today. Here we offer the very best of escape and suspense. We hope you enjoy this week's presentation. And if you do, send us a kind review for 1001 Tales of Escape and Suspense. And now, our two stories. Now, Roma Wines present... Suspense! Tonight... Black Path of Fear, starring Brian Donlevy. Suspense is presented for your enjoyment by Roma Wines. That's R-O-M-A, Roma Wines. Those excellent California wines that can add so much pleasantness to the way you live, to your happiness and entertaining guests, to your enjoyment of everyday meals. Yes, right now a glass full would be very pleasant as Roma Wines bring you... Suspense! This is the Man in Black, here for the Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California, who tonight from Hollywood bring you as star, Mr. Brian Donlevy. And so, with the performance of Mr. Donlevy as Bill Scott in the Cornell Woolrich bestseller, The Black Path of Fear, we again hope to keep you in... Suspense! our first day in Havana. We'd taken a hack, an open horse-drawn carriage, and spent the afternoon driving around to see the sights. She was always crazy about Jade. So, in Chinatown, we stopped in a little curiosity shop the driver steered us to. We bought a few gadgets there and started back towards the main part of the town. It was getting dark, and she snuggled up close to me and the carriage. It's been a wonderful day, Scotty. Yeah. I was scared at first. A couple of times I thought I saw him in the crowds there, Chinatown. <laughs> I guess it was just my imagination. Sure it was. He wouldn't try any rough stuff this far from his home base. He may be a little Caesar around the nightclubs back in Florida, but here in Cuba he's just another alien who'd better not get caught packing a rod. He said he'd get me if I ever left him, no matter where I went. Well, he sent us a radiogram wishing us luck. Yes, that's what worries me. He didn't say which kind of luck. I don't know Hey, what's this, driver? A sloppy Joe, senor. Big attraction of Havana. <laughs> of course. Sloppy Joe's. <laughs> Want to go in, darling? Why not? We can only die once. So I paid the coachman, and we went into Sloppy Joe's. The place was jammed to the sidewalk line and so noisy you couldn't hear yourself think. 
It was like a football scrimmage when you moved and like sardines in a can when you stood still. Then suddenly the crowd divided in front of us like the Red Sea and a little photographer came through using an old-fashioned tripod for a battering ram. He set up his camera and pointed it in our direction. Ah, the senor and the lady would like a picture for to show their friends back in the estate. No, oh, no. please, Scotty. We've never had a picture taken together. <laughs> together? With 40,000 people jammed up against us on all sides? Oh, well, it's that maybe you come to my studio. Calle Barrios. Calle Barrios. It's not far. No, no. Go on. Shoot it here. Go ahead. Oh, make pause, please. Mucho love. See, como no? Eso es. Hold it. No. That is all. I have the picture. Well, he's taking us now, darling. Oh, come on, honey. Everybody's looking at it. Don't rush me, Scotty. Huh? Give me time. What is it? Why are you so limpy? You've... I knew we wouldn't make it. What do we care? Part of a night's better than none at all. Eve! Just stay with me a minute. Won't take long. Darling, what happened? What happened? Scotty, that was the first picture we ever had taken together. Huh? Let me know how it turns out. Eve. Eve, darling. She's dead. She doesn't move anymore. Somebody do something, will you? She's been knifed right here in my arms. Murder in Sloppy Joe's. Murder that is to start a man twisting and turning down the black path of fear. Brian Donlevy is our star this evening. You have heard him in the prologue to tonight's tale of Suspense. In Havana, one gathering place of fashionable people is the charming Pan American Club. A dinner party is in progress, and the Cuban host has just risen to return a compliment which has been paid him by a guest from the United States. Lifting his glass, he says, Thank you, my friends. Thank you also for telling us about the perfect climate and soil of California, from which come these delightful Roma wines. Now we can understand how such perfection is possible, such magnificent quality as we enjoy in Roma wines. Well, such praise of Roma wines in foreign lands can only mean that they are truly magnificent in quality. But remember, you here in the United States can enjoy these distinguished wines at remarkably low cost. Only pennies a glass. Roma Wines bring you a unique combination of California's perfect soil and climate, age-old winemaking skill, plus modern tests and controls, which make Roma so constant in quality, so uniformly fine. Discover for yourself the delightful flavor and goodness which have made Roma Wines America's largest selling wines. Ask for R-O-M-A, Roma Wines. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. And now it is with pleasure that we bring back to our soundstage Mr. Brian Donlevy, who in the person of Bill Scott continues his narrative of The Black Path of Fear. Tonight's tale of Suspense. Havana is a fast town for anything. Love, life, and death, too. A minute ago, I'd been half of a honeymoon couple getting their first picture snapped by a little Cuban photographer in Sloppy Joe's. Now, 
I was alone with a corpse in an empty saloon. But that didn't go on for long either. There were cops there in half a minute and finally a detective. This woman is dead. Yeah, I know. You were the man with her? I was the man with her. Your name? Scott, Bill Scott. Mr. Scott, how long have you been in Havana? Four hours. You quarreled with this girl here in this bar? No, no. You were traveling together? Yes, that's right. Her name on her tourist card is Mrs. Edward Spinelli. Yeah. Where is Mr. Spinelli? Not where I'd like him to be, which is roasting. You are not being very cooperative, Mr. Scott. Okay, okay, I'll tell you the whole story. She was a singer in a nightclub in Tampa, Florida. Spinelli owned the nightclub. He was a killer. He gave her the choice between getting killed and marrying him. Ah. So she married him. And how did you meet her? I worked for Spinelli, too. I I drove his car. Mm. You are not a chauffeur by profession, are you, Mr. Scott? No, no. I took the job to get her away from him. Is there anything wrong in that? The murder weapon, this knife. What do you know about it? What are you driving at? Is this your knife, Mr. Scott? No, but it's a pretty close match. I bought one just like it this afternoon in a curiosity shop. Wait a minute, I'll show you. I've got it in my pocket right there. Wait a minute. Don't get so excited. All right, it's in that pocket right there. Fish it out yourself if you want to. There is no knife here. But there's got to be. It was a knife with a jade handle, like this one, with a monkey carved on it, but the monkey on the one I bought was holding its hands over its ears. There were three of them in the shop. You know, the type, see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. I only know that you bought a knife this afternoon, that you no longer have a knife and that the knife has been used to stop this woman. But it's not the same knife, I tell you. I can prove it. Give me a chance to prove it, will you? All right, Mr. Scott. I will give you a chance. So we went back to the shop where I'd bought the knife, back to Chinatown. Inspector Acosta, that was the Cuban detective's name, questioned the old duck who sold it to me. You remember this man buying something in here this afternoon, Viejo? Uh, yes. Uh, gentleman by knife. Ornamental knife. Uh, knife with jade handle. Describe the jade handle. Oh, jade handle of monkey. We know that. Describe the monkey. Oh, pretty sure... Oh, monkey hiding eyes. So, see no evil. You're crazy. What's the matter with you? What are you trying to do to me? I bought the one holding its ears. You know it. Theo Chin, this man's life may depend on what you are saying. But you are absolutely sure. Come by trees. First one is sold to this gentleman. Other still got. Uh, can show you. Can lie in your teeth. Listen, Acosta. So what if he shows you the set with that one missing? He's probably got a hundred sets in the storeroom. Well, only one set imported. Uh, can show customs invoices. Uh-huh. How did uh, this man and this woman act when they came into the shop? Oh, uh, lady act scared, very scared. I told you, she was afraid Spinelli was going to have her bumped off. Well, he did it. And this guy has been paid to frame me. Can't you see that? I am sorry, Mr. Scott, but I must place you under arrest. For the murder of Mrs. Eve Spanelli. As we threaded our way back through Chinatown in the police car, I thought the whole thing over. I came to a decision. The car fitted in the narrow lane like a cork in a bottle. If it should come to a halt in front of the door of a building... And finally it did. Just that. I bolted. They came after me fast. Oh! The door I ducked into opened into a pitch black hallway. I groped around till I found a flight of stairs and I started climbing. Up! Up, Go ahead and shoot! I ducked back in the shadows, trying.
turned the knob of the nearest door and tossed my hat over at the foot of the roof ladder to make it look as if I'd lost, lost it while climbing. I backed through the door into a room. In the dark room, I stood very still and listened. They were separating the case, the roof along the block. I was safe for a few minutes anyway. Tried to figure out where I was. Room, a dark room. I strained my eyes into the blackness. Then something cold and metallic found the side of my neck. It was the business edge of a knife, blade. A light snapped on. Bueno. I, uh, no hablo espanol. No te mueva. Oh, take it easy, take it easy, will you? I can't talk your language. Put that knife down, will you? Te quiero estar aquí. Polizai. Verstehen Understand? Comprende? Look, out there on the stairs, I don't know how to say it. Polizia. They're after me. Cops. Cops. Why didn't you say so before? I hate cops. Oh, you talk English? I ought to have been in enough of your jails to take out naturalization papers. Hey, get over here. I'll do what I can for you. They're coming back. I'd better get out of here. Don't be a fool. There's 20 of them down in the street now. They sure must want you bad, Chico. They say I killed my girl. They say wrong? They say very wrong. Another man took her away from you? No. I took her away from another man. Ah, then any fool of a policeman knows you did not kill her. You never kill what does not belong to you. Only what does. You tell them that. Oh, here comes Petey. Quickly, get into the cot there. Cover yourself up. What? But... Do as I tell you. Take off that shirt. Don't stop for the buttons. Tear it off. Well... Now then, face the wall. Wait a minute. What are you doing? Keep perfectly still. Don't rub against the covers. Now, don't move. Dispense, senor. Ha visto usted un hombre alto, macizo americano? No he visto a nadie. ¿Quién es ese? Mi hombre, mi marido. Llamoslo. Está muy enfermo. Vuela. Vuela. Sí, vuela. Ve a la cuarentena. Es verdad, vuela. Vamos. Gracias, señor. Buenas noches. Buenas noches. What was all that about? Shh. What are What are all these red spots on me? I put them there with lipstick. Huh? I told the cops you were my husband. You have smallpox. <laughs> and they believed it? Why not? I showed them the quarantine sign on the door. Manolito, that was my man. He died of smallpox in this room. Huh? Oh, do not be alarmed. It has been disinfected. Oh. <laughs> oh, say, thanks. But why did you go to bat for me like that anyway? Uh, different reasons. Flowers on a grave, I guess. Flower? What do you mean? It's hard to explain. It's my way of doing something for somebody that's not around anymore, I guess. It's the only way I have. I do not know any other way. You see, I know what it is to lose someone you love, too. Just like you. Manolito? He got smallpox in jail. Then he come back here to me to die. Hey, what is your name, Wapo? Bill Scott. It's Scott? No, 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 Scott with an S. It's too hard to say. I call you Guapo. Guapo? That means handsome. Oh. Well, thanks. What'll I call you? Around this neighborhood, they call me Medianoche. Media... It means midnight. Hmm. Try it that way. Okay, midnight. They call me that because now I always hang around late 
by myself since he's gone. Well, midnight, I don't know what to say to you except thanks. There are the flowers on a grave. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess I'd better get going. What do you want to throw away all my hard work for? Hmm? They spot you at the next corner. Well, I can't hang around here for the rest of the night. Was the matter with it here? You know, if I could only get hold of that photographer. Photographer? Yeah, I was a photographer in Sloppy Joe's. He was snapping a picture of us just when it happened. Oh, you think maybe in this picture is the man who killed your sweetheart? Yeah, I'm pretty sure of it. Uh, think, Wapo. What do you remember about this photographer? Oh, he was just a typical cheap photographer of tourists. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. He said something about having a studio somewhere near Sloppy's. Calle Barrios? That's it, Calle Barrios. Look, do you know this guy? Uh, sailors go there with the girls to get their pictures taken. Hmm. His name is Pepe Campos. I've got to get that picture, Midnight. I'll have to risk Un it. Un momentito. I first get you some other clothes. Huh? Here. I think this fit you. What? Where? Manolito was one big sailor. And now listen. I tell you how to get from here over to the Calle Barrios so maybe the police don't see you. You go down to the mouth of the alley. You turn to the right. That is this hand here. Just a few steps from there. It was so dark, I, I almost had to feel my way along the streets. Suddenly, out of nowhere, came a voice. There were two of them there, keeping the alley covered. I looked back the way I had come. Someone was coming toward me through the blackness. I waited there, paralyzed. Que tal, marinero? Uh, what? Are you lonesome? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, you want a drink, sister? Well, look, walk close to me like this. Huh? Now, now, lean up closer. Get your face up under mine, honey. That's it. Give me a little more affection. <laughs> That's the stuff. Now, look. Walk down this way with me, just past the corner. You said it, big boy. You said it. What do you want to drink, honey? You said it. That's good. Here's the turn. Goodbye, sister. Chip, get! Chip, get! I was afraid of yelling. I'd attract the cops, so I took off down the street, and then I ducked into the alley to catch my breath. I looked up. There was a sign on the shop. Campos Retratos y Fotografias. At first, I didn't get it. Then, all of a sudden, I knew. I was there. I opened the door and walked in. Senor? Look, you took a, a picture this evening of, of me and a lady in Sloppy Joe's. I want that picture. No me recuerdo. I do not recall, senor. Now, look, there was trouble right afterwards. You know, a lot of noise, remember? Oh, see, si, see. Si. I remember. Oh. I am just developing the pictures I have taken today. Come with me. Huh? This is my dark room. The very latest equipment. Kodak. Yeah, 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 but where's that picture? Oh, right here. In the bath. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. It's beginning to come through. See, si, see. Si. Yeah. Yeah, that's us. Oh, someone leans over the lady's shoulder, no? Yeah. Yeah, let's have some more light on the subject, will you? 
Uh, this is someone you know, senor? Uh, it's someone I know, all right. His name is... Never mind the name, Scotty. I'll introduce myself. Spinelli. Stand over against the wall, Scotty. You too. Well, I'm glad you found this picture, Scotty. I was kind of nervous about having a thing like this floating around. You can understand my feelings. You surprised me, Spinelli. I didn't think you even had the guts to stab a woman in the back without your gorillas around to protect you. Don't make me angry, Scotty. I'm in a bad mood. I didn't know you were smart like you are either, Spinelli. I, I apologize. You know, <laughs> that was a cute trick, hiring a cab driver to steer us into that shop in Chinatown, but... What I still can't figure out is how you switched those knives. I didn't. I still have the knife you bought. I frisked it out of your pocket. Now I'm going to give it back to you. Would you like to see it first? There. It's pretty, in it? You've always had an eye for jades. This is definitely the best of the three. It's a pity to spoil such a pretty knife, but the revolver... That makes too much noise. Yeah, I think I'll use the knife on you, too. I like things symmetrical. Like Romeo and Juliet, then. What's that? Don't move, Scotty. Wapo. Wapo, are you in here? <laughs> His sweetheart not dead an hour and already has another. Midnight. Get out of here quick. This man is a killer. Oh, I'm not afraid of you, big boy. Keep away from me and don't try any funny business. Oh, oh my hombre, he was just like you. He talked very mean. But he don't hurt me. Not one little bit. I don't only talk, big sister. I got a job to do here. I'll talk to you when I shut your boyfriend's trap for good. My boyfriend? Ha, are you kidding? Go ahead, finish him off. He took a powder on me. I come after him only to collect. Oh, undercover? <laughs> oh, Scotty, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> undercover? <laughs> hey, you are rich, huh? <laughs> you got big diamonds. Say, I like you, mister. Stop mooching around. Midnight, I tell you, this guy's a killer. Watch out. Ah, shut up. Say, huh? How about it, big boy? Come on. Stick around, baby. I can use talent like yours. <laughs> Kiss me, big boy. Later, later. Now, or I yell very loud. Hey, Make big trouble. You're pretty hot stuff, ain't you? You don't know the half of it, big boy, huh? Come here. <laughs> now, Bobo! Oh. Oh, you dirty little stool pigeon. Shut up, Spinelli. I've got the gun now. <laughs> Scotty, I was only throwing a scare into you. Why, I would have knocked you off right away. That's what I meant to do, wouldn't I? What's it worth to you to stay alive, Spinelli? Scotty, a hundred thousand dollars. In the bank right here in Nevada. Just let me go over that table there. Check the bearer, no strings. Spinelli, I want Eve back again. Two hundred thousand. Chicago account thrown in. Two hundred and fifty thousand, that's a quarter of a million, Scotty. I want Eve. You can't bring the dead to life, Scotty. But you can be rich. Kill me and you get nothing but a murder rap. The picture don't show me sticking the knife in her. The knife don't mean anything. Chin and the driver and never talk. You're just fixing up a nice murder rap for yourself, Scotty. Shut up. Stand over under the light, Spinelli. Huh? I don't want to miss. Scotty. Don't do it, Scotty. Scotty. Scott! You win. Scott! <laughs> 
That's the story, Inspector. I... I've come to give myself up for the murder of Ed Spinelli. Well, what are you going to do about it, Inspector? About what? About what? About what I just told you, the murder. I don't speak English so good. I often miss hearing things that are said, especially when they are said too fast. All right, I can say it slower. I just killed a man named Ed Spinelli. My English stinks today. I don't understand. You don't understand. I said... I don't know what you said. If I should get word from the commissioner to hold a man named Scott for murder, that would be different. It would be in my language. Unless that should happen and it hasn't, please, would you mind not coming in here and mumbling in this English of yours that I don't understand? But, uh, uh, Senor Scott, yeah. this girl, this medianoche... M- midnight? Oh, what about her? Do you know where she is? That girl, that woman. She's been raising cane in my jail all night, all day yesterday. Well, what's she charged with? My foolish officers questioned her, and then they didn't know any better that they put down some charge other than the book. Senor Scott, huh? we have been stuck with her ever since. She's, she's like a hurricane. Well, I'll agree with you there. Senor Scott, yeah? if you have not enough to bail her out, I'll pay it out of my own pocket, anything to get her out. <laughs> Midnight. It's all over. Yes, Guapo. It is over. <laughs> Have you any idea where we're headed for? It's sloppy jokes. Hmm? The feet of an American in Havana walk always in the direction of the sloppy jokes. No? Yeah. Yeah, I can hear it already. I, uh... I'd like to ask you in for a drink tonight. No, Wapo. You go in alone. Oh, won't you just have one with me, please? No. Why not? There's someone waiting for you in there. Oh, that's crazy, Midnight. I don't know anybody in Havana except you. Someone is waiting for you in there, Wapo. How do you say flowers on a grave? No? Flowers on a grave. And Sloppy Joe's. Love makes any place beautiful. Even Sloppy Joe's. Go on, Wapo. Buy her a drink at the bar and tell her how that picture you took together turned out. You promised you would, remember? How do you tell something to somebody that's dead? In your mind, Wapo. Where she will always be. Oh. I'll try and tell her, Midnight. I'll tell her about about you, too. No. No, she will be jealous. Oh, no, not when I tell her. Oh, you do not know women, Wapo. Well, maybe not. Well, uh... <laughs> Adios, Wapo. Goodbye, Midnight. And so closes The Black Path of Fear, starring Brian Donlevy. Tonight's study in... Suspense. Suspense is produced and directed by William Spear.
Have you discovered the secret of lovers of fine food? Namely, how good wine makes even the simplest, most inexpensive meals really exciting events. Well, the next time you serve any of the red meats, stews, fish, or poultry, place on the table a well-chilled bottle of Roma California table wine. Delicious sauterne, hearty burgundy, or tasty claret. You will be amazed at how much Roma wine, in bringing out all the appetizing goodness of even the simplest foods, adds to the pleasure of the meal. How it makes even a simple meal a feast. And remember, Roma wines cost you only pennies a glassful. So any home can afford the pleasure they give to everyday living. Ask for R-O-M-A, Roma Wines, America's largest selling wines, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. This is Brian Donlevy. Our government has asked us to bring to the attention of women listeners a very important message. In spite of our wonderful victories on all the fighting fronts, we must remember that the war is by no means over or nearly over. Hundreds of thousands of women must get into war work this year. You are desperately needed, both because you are admirably fitted for these jobs and because you represent the only adequate source of labor to replace the men in the armed forces and in the heavy war industries. Go to the United States Employment Service office and ask for information about the kinds of full-time or part-time jobs for which you are best suited. Brian Donlevy will soon be seen in the starring role of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer's Technicolor production, An American Romance. Next Thursday, same time, Olivia de Havilland and Reginald Gardner will be your stars of Suspense. Presented by Roma Wines. R-O-M-A. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Hi, everyone. The holiday season is upon us, and I'll be glued to the telly for BritBox on many a night. I've already shared with you the fact that I keep up with Father Brown and Poirot at BritBox. I also check out their new stuff, like the new series Archie, which tells the story of Archie Leach, otherwise known to millions of filmgoers as Cary Grant. This story comes from his daughter Jennifer Grant and ex-wife Diane Cannon. It's a series. The performance of Jason Isaacs, who plays Cary Grant, is top-notch. I highly recommend it. You can only find it on my favorite TV, BritBox. Sign up to BritBox today to stream Archie and other fan favorites today from any device. I have a special limited-time offer for my U.S. and Canadian listeners. Get 50% off your first month when you sign up for a monthly plan, but only if you go to BritBox.com and use my promo code 1001STORIES at checkout. Don't wait. Get 50% off your first month. Just use promo code 1001STORIES at BritBox.com. Try it. You'll like it. Now, Roma Wines presents 
Suspense. Tonight, Voyage Through Darkness, starring Olivia de Havilland and Reginald Gardner. Suspense is presented for your enjoyment by Roma Wines. That's R-O-M-A, Roma Wines. Those excellent California wines that can add so much pleasantness to the way you live, to your happiness in entertaining guests, to your enjoyment of everyday meals. Yes, right now, a glass full would be very pleasant as Roma Wines bring you... Suspense! This is the Man in Black, here for the Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California. Tonight from Hollywood, we bring you the distinguished American leading lady of the screen, Miss Olivia de Havilland. Mr. Havilland appears as a girl named Judith Webster, who found herself embarked upon a journey into darkness. Traveling with her on this perilous voyage is that suave and debonair actor, Mr. Reginald Gardner. So with the performances of Mr. Havilland and Mr. Gardner in this seagoing adventure play, we again hope to keep you in suspense. It happened in 1939, shortly before England and Germany were at war. I was in London, serving as traveling companion to Mrs. Edna Prescott, a wealthy, quite elderly American woman. She wasn't a pleasant person, and the city's practice blackouts were a particular source of annoyance to her. I remember thinking how ironic it was that she should die during one of them. I even thought it the cause, until the doctors assured me her death was due to a common heart ailment. I was very busy for the next few days, arranging passage to America, getting my train ticket down to Southampton, and and carrying out the promise I had made so many times to Mrs. Prescott. I didn't relish any part of that. Uh, Miss Webster, uh, Miss Webster, oh yes, 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 uh, the young woman who's escorting the casket. Oh, here's your ticket. Uh, uh, gate five, please. Boat train for Southampton. This way, please. The young woman who's escorting the casket. He said it so, so matter-of-factly, as if such things occurred every day. I suppose they do. And yet, every minute on that train I felt uncomfortable, on edge. It seemed as if the, tri the trip to Southampton and the steamer docks would never end. I remember how glad I was when it did, and how cheerful the steward's voice sounded as he greeted me at the head of the gangway. Good evening, miss. Welcome aboard. May I show you to your cabin? Please do, steward. I, I'm very tired. At 12 a.m., be dick. This way, miss. I hope they get him all right, miss. Uh... Get who? Police have new clue on Blackheart Killer. Boy, that Blackheart Killer. The police have a new clue on him, he says. Oh, oh, yes. An awful thing. Ah, here we are, Miss 12A. You have it all to yourself. Thank you, Stuart. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, here you are. Oh, it's quite all right, Miss. Uh, thanks, and good night. Uh, call me if you need me now. Good night. In my stateroom perfectly safe, I realized how jittery I'd been, how upset. 
And now, how relieved. Suddenly I began to laugh right out loud. My fears had been so foolish, so very foolish. An hour later, I went out on deck. I no longer felt tired, and I wanted to watch the lights of the coastline fading away from us. I was standing near the aft rail, quietly looking out across the water, when he first spoke. Beautiful, isn't it? Oh. I'm sorry. Did I frighten you? Oh. Yes. Yes, you did. I, I didn't realize there was anyone near that lifeboat. Well, I'm sorry. I was sure you saw me. I never would have... Well, uh... it's all right, really. I, I've been nervous tonight, anyway. I, I'm not always so jumpy. What you need is an ocean voyage. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Were you watching the shore lights? Yes, and I, I never did answer your question. They are beautiful. Very. And the sea alone is beautiful. She has moods, you know, just like a woman. Gentle sometimes and soothing. Then suddenly flying into a rage and dashing things to pieces. And then quieting right down again. That's right. I see we feel the same about her. Does she frighten you sometimes? The same way women frighten me. Oh? I mean, uh, when I don't understand them. Well, I thought it was the general male consensus that we weren't supposed to be understood. Only loved. Isn't that the rest of it? Something like that. Anyway, it's a philosophy I disagree with. Well, that's refreshing. Ah, the lady is amused. Oh, not at all. I, it's, it's just that the lady detects a bachelor. <laughs> because I have a mind of my own? Well, that's one good clue. Well, listen to me. I'm lecturing to you as if I... I believe that bit of tritonus ends up as if I'd known you all my life. Well, wait a minute. There's another which makes it perfectly all right. It's that uh, shipboard friendships last forever business. <laughs> uh, however, my name is Alan Bruce. Yours? Judith Webster. A miss or... Miss. Good. Well, we got through that. Quite nicely. You suppose we could get through a dance? There's music in the salon. Well, there's no longer any view of the shore lights. Uh, however, you did say the sea alone was beautiful. I was so wrong. There's nothing as monotonous as all that water. It is kind of uh, flat. Yes, well, uh, let's trade it for champagne, shall we? Be with you in a minute. Where are you going? Well, just over here. Wanted to do the skipper a little favor. What is it? Oh, oh, the lifeboat cover. How did that ever get so loose? I, I, uh, I don't know. I... I noticed it a while back. There. Well, that should do it. Strange. It was almost as if... Oh, no. Well, what were you going to say? Well, I was going to get melodramatic and suggest that someone might have been hiding there. You mean a stowaway? Yes. Well, of course, it's silly. I wouldn't say so. You're joking. Not at all. It's quite possible someone could have slipped on board and hid in that boat. That's why I think we shouldn't mention this to anyone. What? It would only cause an alarm. But I don't understand. If you really think there might have been someone... Someone... I shall never forget that moment and the thoughts which went racing through my mind. My... 
my nervousness on the train, those horrible headlines about about the blackout killer, that newsboy had shouted an hour before, Alan's strange attitude about the lifeboat, the whole unpleasant nature of this voyage, my promise to Mrs. Prescott. I, I wanted to turn and run, wanted to cry out, but somehow I... I couldn't. It, it was like a dream when you when you can't move. And then the darkness was swept away and I was no longer dreaming. I was I was in Alan's arms dancing. There was there were laughing, carefree people all about us, and the ship's salon was so bright and friendly. I was ashamed for even thinking there might have been anything wrong. You had enough? They just brought our champagne. Well, in that case, yes. I'd about given up. Well, a fine way to talk about my dancing. You know perfectly well what I mean. Oh, all right. Let her go, waiter. Right you are, sir. Oh, there we are. <laughs> all right. Thank you, waiter. That'll be all. Yes, sir. Oh, that does look good. And is. Well, what should we toast to? Shipboard friendships? Shipboard friendships. You know, I... Uh... What is it? Something wrong? No, no, nothing at all. Just thought I saw some, and I... Uh, will you excuse me a moment? Well, of course. I won't be long. Everything all right, miss? Oh, excuse me, miss, uh, but the uh, gentleman, he dropped this billfold. Oh, thank you, waiter. I didn't notice. Would you just leave it there on the table? Uh, very good, miss. There you are. The billfold fell open as the waiter placed it on the table. I couldn't take my eyes from it. There was an identification card in plain sight... The name on the card was not Alan Bruce. It was Charles Drew. Sorry to have run off that way. I I never should have. Didn't know the fellow at all. Say, you, you haven't touched your champagne. You, you'll let all the kick go out of it. You. I'm afraid all the kick has gone out of it. Well, we'll soon take care of it. Oh, my billfold. Where did you find it? It was on the floor. The waiter picked it up. The, the, the waiter? Did he look at it? No. Well, we found an honest man, eh? Have to remember him. Hadn't you better look to see if you found an honest woman? <laughs> I'll, I'll take a chance. On my honesty, yes. But what about a woman's curiosity? Oh, I see. Well, now you know. Well, I must be more careful of my things in future. But you know, I'm sure you wouldn't tell anyone anything. No? No. I knew from the very first that I could trust you implicitly. Stop your music. Stop your music. Stop your music. Stop. What's up, Stuart? Why is the music stop? What's the matter? Attention! Attention, everybody! Everybody! The first officer has something to say to us. Uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry to break in on your dancing this way, but I assure you this won't take long. We've just received a radiogram from London, and I must ask your cooperation. Something important? Maybe Something it's war with Germany. No, 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 it isn't war. Nothing nearly as alarming as that. However, the London police suspect that we're carrying a stowaway. And they've asked us to make a thorough search of the ship and report back to them. Really? Must be a criminal. A criminal? No, I don't... Perhaps it's the blackout killer. A killer on our ship? Now, wait, wait a moment, please, ladies and gentlemen. It won't help to get excited. The ship is being searched. He'll never get off. All we ask is that you keep your cabins locked. I was afraid this might happen. How long did you expect to keep it from them? Well, naturally, I was hoping they'd never... Well, Judith, 
Well, Judith, what's wrong? Where are you going? Hey, look at him. Oh, what the devil? Hey, what's the matter, handsome? She ran out on you? Well, please let me through, will you? Uh, okay, sure. Go do it, mister. Don't let her get away. You know, maybe she thinks that you're the blackout killer. <laughs> Night for Suspense, Roma Wines are bringing you Olivia de Havilland and Reginald Gardner. You have heard them in the first act of Voyage Through Darkness by Joel Malone. Tonight's tale of Suspense. It is a fact that connoisseurs of many foreign lands have discovered the excellence of Roma Wines the greatness of California's wine country from which Roma comes. But millions of Americans also know these things and have made Roma by far the most popular, the largest selling of all America's wines. Here at home, Roma wines are truly inexpensive. For only pennies a glass, your meals, your entertaining, can have the added delight of superb Roma wines. You will find them constant in quality, of unvarying excellent taste and character. Fine products of age-old winemaking skill, perfected by modern knowledge. To start enjoying this really fine wine yourself, simply place on the table with dinner tomorrow a well-chilled bottle of hearty, ruby-red Roma California Burgundy. Don't worry about what the meal is or what glasses you have handy. You'll be delightfully surprised at how much extra enjoyment you get from your meal. How Roma wine makes even the simplest meal a feast. Enjoy Roma wines anytime with meals when entertaining. It's the easy and expensive way to make a big hit with guests and with the family. Be sure to ask your dealer for R-O-M-A, Roma Wines, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. And now it is with pleasure that we bring back to our soundstage Miss Olivia de Havilland and Mr. Reginald Gardner, as they continue Voyage Through Darkness, a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. I'll never know why I left the dining salon without telling them. Certainly there could no longer be any doubt. It was all too clear, that loose canvas covering on the lifeboat, the way he'd been standing there, even the name he had given me, Alan Bruce. I saw it later on the regular passenger list. He must have killed Bruce and thrown him overboard, taking not only his name, but his stateroom and clothes. It was all so, so fantastic. Worse than anything else, I had almost fallen in love with him. He knew that, I'm certain. It was why he was so confident that I wouldn't tell anyone. And I didn't. Not even when I spoke to the first officer about... Uh, about my promise to Mrs. Prescott. I wanted to tell him, but somehow I... Mrs. Webster, I'll arrange it for early tomorrow morning. Most of the passengers will be asleep. Thank you. I... I, uh... I suppose it's rather unusual, but uh, then Mrs. Prescott was an unusual woman. Hmm. I haven't conducted a burial at sea since the last war. However, I'm not entirely unprepared. The company officials spoke to me about this before sailing, and... Well, now, don't you worry, Miss Webster. 
the ceremony will be quite in order, I assure you. Thank you. I'll bid you good day, ma'am. I wish you hadn't done that. <gasps> oh, I'm sorry. I seem to have a habit of startling you. What do you want? How long have you been standing there? Long enough to overhear that conversation. You had no right. What are you doing in my cabin? Uh, please, I know what you're going to say. I had no right to be here or to listen. However, it's fortunate that I did. What do you mean? I didn't know that it was Mrs. Prescott's desire to be buried at sea. No one knew it. But it was her last wish I promised her would be carried out. And tomorrow morning you're keeping that promise? Yes. And now, if you'll excuse me, I, I, I don't feel very well. I'd like uh, to... Wait, please, Judith. You've been avoiding me, haven't you? Yes, I have. I hope it's only because you've been upset about Mrs. Prescott, I mean. That's one reason. Oh, I'm sorry. I I almost thought we were beginning to, uh, well, to become very good friends. You know, you're the only person on board whom I can trust. You're very sure about that, aren't you? Of course. You know who I am and what I'm doing on this ship, and yet you've told no one. I've wanted to. I know. Women were never meant to keep secrets. However, I'm going to ask you to keep one more. I'd rather not. Sorry. I must include you this time. You see, it requires a change in your plans so they'll fit in with mine. I'm afraid I don't understand. It's very simple. Judith, this may upset you, but uh, I must ask that you tell them that you've changed your mind, that you don't want Mrs. Prescott buried at sea. What? You remember what they said? Even if they couldn't find the stowaway, he'd never get off the ship. Well, he, he could get off very easily if you'd allow him to take Mrs. Prescott's place in that casket. What? In that casket? Yes. Clever, eh? Clever? Well, not every man would think of it. Simple as it may seem, everyone searching the ship, questioning each passenger, and all the while the man they were seeking would be safe inside the casket. He would only have to wait patiently and then be hoisted from the ship's hold, lowered onto the pier, and whisked safely away in a funeral car. And when he was discovered by the funeral attendants? Oh, I'm sure they'd be so shocked at the dead coming to life, he'd have little trouble in... Stop it! Stop it, do you hear? If you haven't any respect for the dead, I'm afraid I have. Oh, Mrs. Prescott, you mean. I should have told you that part of it. Uh, her last wish has already been carried out. You see, her body was removed from the casket the night we sailed. Mrs. Prescott is already buried at sea. You've thought of everything, haven't you? Yes. In my position, one must. remained in my cabin all that day and the next. I was afraid to see him again. I can't explain the strange fascination he held over me. I remember how surprised the first officer looked when I told him I had changed my mind about the burial. It was as if he sensed the truth, as if he knew Mrs. Prescott's body wasn't in the casket, that it was empty. But of course, it was only my imagination and my sense of guilt for this terrible wrong I was doing. 
Barbara, I went out on deck. He was standing there near the port rail. I went up to him. He turned and smiled as if he'd been expecting me. Oh, there you are. I've missed you. Haven't been under the weather? No, I, I've been perfectly well. You had me worried not showing up at dinner. You know, I've come to depend on you. Yes, I know. I've decided not to let you get away from me. After this is all over, we must, um... You haven't much time. Oh, that's right. This may not be easy. Uh, wish me luck. Haven't I done more than that already? Yes, of course. Only, uh, I mean, uh, like this, Judy. As suddenly as he had taken me in his arms, he released me, and I remained there by the rail as he hurried away. I watched as the ship moved on into the harbor under the guidance of the tugboats with their shrill, insistent little whistles. I listened to... The shouts of the crew and longshoremen. Soon we were alongside the pier. And the steward was shouting from the head of the gangway. And then, then I saw it. The casket. They were lowering it toward the pier. There was a car waiting, a long black car. And suddenly I realized what I had done. What a fool I had been. What a cowardly, frightened little fool. Wait! Stop them! Don't let them take it! Don't let them! Wait, please! You mustn't touch that casket! There's something wrong! Huh? Hey, what's the matter with you, lady? Get out of the way, will you? But there's a man in there, alive! He's hiding! Sure, sure. Hide and go seek. He's played in a coffin. Go on, lady. We've got work to do. Slam those rear doors tight, Ed. Please! Please, you must listen to me. If you won't, I'll call the police. Someone has got to stop him. He'll... Did I hear you call for the police? Oh, yes, these men won't listen to me, but there's a... A man hiding in this casket. Of course there is. We put him in there, Judith. What did you say? I said we put him in there. Or rather, we let him walk right into our trap. Wait a minute. Are you trying to tell me there's someone else inside that casket? Well, surely you're not trying to say that you thought I was in there. Well, who else? Who else? <laughs> Why, the blackout killer, of course. Then, then he's getting away. You're letting him get away. And no, no, Judith. Those men know who's inside that casket. And they know right where to take him. Take him? You know, Judith, for someone who helped plan this entire thing, you're acting very strangely. I'm acting strangely? It's almost as if you didn't know who I am at all. I don't. What? I said I, I don't know you. I, I still don't. But, but, but the night I dropped my billfold, I, I thought surely you... All I learned that night was your real name, Charles Drew. You, you mean you didn't look at the rest of my papers? Certainly not. But that's amazing. Say, you are different. Yes, and I suppose you're the everyday run-of-the-mill type. Look, what is this? Oh, it's all very simple, Judith. I, I thought you'd learned of my affiliation with Scotland Yard when you had my billfold. You mean you're a detective? I've even been called a bloodhound. Then all this time, you've been trailing the killer. That's right. We had a tip-off he might be on this ship, and when I discovered the loose lifeboat covering, I was certain of it. Then Alan Bruce, he... he wasn't murdered at all. He never existed. Just a name I was using. Good Lord, Judith, you know detectives never travel under their own names. It just isn't done. No, no, everything has to be done the hard way. I suppose that that's why you just didn't find the killer and arrest him on board. Oh, no, hardly. You see, I couldn't find him. 
searched the ship from top to bottom. I, I guess he really would have given me the slip if I hadn't looked in the casket. He was hiding there all the time? No, it was empty. I don't get it. And neither did I at first. And then I began to wonder why he would remove Mrs. Prescott's body from her casket unless it was part of some plan. And? And I decided that it was. A weird yet thoroughly clever plan. Remember I told you not every man would think of it? Yes, you did say that. He had only to wait patiently until the ship docked. Then, at the last minute, slip into the casket... ...and be hoisted out of the hold onto the pier and whisked safely away in the funeral car. And to think, if it hadn't been for you, he might have gotten away with it. Oh, you helped plenty by calling off that burial and leaving the way open for him. Oh, no, Charles. I nearly wrecked everything. I, I thought you were the killer. <laughs> well, no wonder you avoided me. I was so mixed up. I, I thought I knew so much. No, no, it's, it's my fault, darling. I overestimated you. Is it all clear to you now? Well, I... No, that is, it, it's clear about how, well, the, the killer and, and the casket, but I, I, I don't know whether... What? You mean about the lifeboat and, uh... No, no, about you. I, I'm, I'm not clear whether or... You mean wh- whether or not I'm really Scotland Yard? Well, I am. You, you can really... No, I, I'm just not sure whether... But, Judith, there's nothing else. Oh, except, of course, uh, that I love you and, uh... What was that again? I said I love you. Uh, how can I be sure? Judith, darling. Oh, Oh, Charles, Uh, that makes it very clear. And so closes Voyage Through Darkness, starring Olivia de Havilland and Reginald Gardner. Tonight's study in... Suspense. Suspense is produced and directed by William Spear. If you are one who does not yet know how much and how delightfully Roma wines add to your meals, well, let me urge you not to miss out any longer on such a treat as this. There's nothing complicated about it. Just get and serve Roma wine with any meal or any time in any kind of glass you wish. Serve it chilled. Try the many different kinds of Roma wine until you find those you like best of all. Try Roma California Sherry with its wonderful nut-like flavor as an appetizer. Or Ruby Red Roma Burgundy or the deliciously delicate flavored Roma Sauterne. These superb wines cost you only pennies a glassful. Yet they make even the simplest meal taste like a million dollars. Get some today. And if your dealer is temporarily out of Roma, please try again soon. Ask for R-O-M-A. Roma Wines, America's largest selling wines, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. This is Olivia de Havilland. I have certainly enjoyed appearing here tonight on Suspense, which is a program I've admired for a very long time. Our government has asked us to bring to the attention of women listeners a very important message. In spite of our wonderful victories on all the fighting fronts, 
You must remember that the war is by no means over or nearly over. Hundreds of thousands of women must get into war work this year. You're desperately needed, both because you are admirably fitted for these jobs and because you represent the only adequate source of labor to replace the men in the armed forces and in the heavy war industries. Make a realistic appraisal of your household duties and your state of health. Talk it over with your family and with friends who are now employed in war work or in one of the branches of the women's armed services. If you are still in doubt after analyzing the situation, go to the United States Employment Service office and ask for information about the kinds of full-time or part-time jobs for which you are best suited. We cannot stress too highly how vitally necessary your immediate action can be. And here is a thought for everyone. Six million Americans are fighting overseas. Here at home, let us all remember that until final victory everywhere, winning the war still comes first with every last one of us. Reginald Gardner appeared through the courtesy of 20th Century Fox, producers of Daryl F. Zanuck's Wilson. Next Thursday, same time, Joseph Cotton will be your star of Suspense. Presented by Roma Wines. R-O-M-A. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. Thank you for joining us at 1001 Tales of Escape and Suspense. This is your host, John Hagedorn. We try to alternate weeks with two episodes of Escape one week, followed by two episodes of Suspense the following week. New episodes of 1001 Tales of Escape and Suspense are available every Sunday at noon Eastern Time. We always appreciate reviews. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week.